Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox and I am Josh. And I am Jimmy. We couldn't be more thrilled to be speaking to you on this fine May 14th day. May the 14th be with you. Such a beautiful day. Did you see what I did um, in there? In Atex, I did. You didn't even. I did. You didn't even. Which is weird because you're not even a Star Wars person. Well, <laughs> I am not. I am not. But with May the 4th, and they finally released number nine, which we normally we see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. We did not go see nine in a theater over the holidays. Mm-hmm. So I have not seen Correct. it yet. And I am. I'm just the guy that's going to see it once every two years when it comes out or and then... They do three and they pause for 20 years. But I go see it in the theater. I did it in the 90s. I did it in the teens. And then I'm just kind of done with it. I'm not super geeky Star Wars. But with May the 4th, I've now gone back. I did not want to rewatch any of the 90s because they're terrible. But I don't think I had seen episode three. I've watched episode three. I went back and watched four. I'm in the middle of five right now. And I'm just working my wake up through nine. So I'm actually seeing them again. Very nice. Very, very nice. I noticed that you don't really care. No, not really. But that's, I mean, I dropped, uh, may, may the 14th be with you. I, I thought well, that was very that was clever. The, I don't know how many people out there know that May 4th is May the 4th be with you. I'm not sure they're up to school. So I'm, I'm also boring our audience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was much more into it in high school when the first one came out in 1977. Saw it wow. nine times. Yep, nine times. I was negative five years old. Yes, yes you, you were. You saw it nine times? Nine times. You cost you People nine don't understand quarter, how you'd never, quarters? You never, you'd never seen anything like it before. You know, after, after that, you kind of got used to... Pew, 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 and just nothing like that existed, but you'd never seen anything like that. And the lightsaber. Oh, I know. It was amazing. I think it's my generation. My generation's Jurassic Park in the '90s when that came same out. Same deal. You'd never seen crazy anything that was. like that. Yeah, but now and, it looks and terrible. And Avatar. Yeah. Yes. But Avatar, you'd never seen anything quite. There, are, there are a few movies where it's just they just break the mold. So today we are taking up the topic of what if they fail to launch. I.e., meaning, of course, your children. Your children. And we've talked about uh, past, or I guess last week, we talked about boundaries. We have, in previous seasons, talked about stop, you know, not preventing or preventing a snowflake and how do we train up our children so they will launch. And we thought it would kind of an opportune time that potentially some kids, because of COVID, are boomeranging back into the house. And like, what should we worry Mm -hmm. about? Have they not gone out and gotten a job? And so we felt like with boundaries and with COVID and kids boomeranging back, this is potentially a good conversation to have. 
Well, I was just sitting with a kid a couple of weeks ago that this exact thing applies to. He's struggling to launch. He's tried college. He's tried a gap year and to no avail. And he's at his parents' house. He does have a job, but really no plan to leave. And it broke my heart to hear him talk a few weeks ago. He said, I know where I'm at right now in life is not good, and I'm anxious, and I'm worried, and I'm sad about that. But to think about actually stepping out and getting a better job, getting my own place, that too makes me sad and anxious and, you know, worried, and I'm I'm nervous about that as well. And so it's this it's this catch-22 that he's in, therefore he just is rolled over in life. Mm-hmm. And I think in so many ways, that's where these kids are. The kids that fail to launch, they've just had this learned helplessness where they roll over. Absolutely. And I'm, I've got a client as well, and she is petrified of graduating this May. You know, as much as she wants to complain about her life and about her family, she's desperate to stay stay in her room and stay on her computer and remain where she is. But it is, it is a learned helplessness. The problem that failure to launch presents is, is these are, these are emotionally and functionally handicapped kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we've, we've talked about preventing it, but we can, we can touch on this again and, and please, please go and, uh, get Madeline Levine's book, The Price of Privilege, where, where when, you, when you have helicopter moms, what is a lawnmower parent? Oh, I didn't know if you were going to bring that up. The idea of helicopter mom is that they just hover around. If any trouble comes their yes. way, then they swoop in and they say, lawnmower parenting is actually going in front of them and clearing a path. Preparing the path. Yes. Okay. Good. So whether you are helicopter or lawnmower, or using a helicopter upside down in order to mow a lawn, which I guess technically that could occur. No, 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 I can't. Both of those produce uh, a child that does not formulate a sense of self Mm -hmm. that I can do this. If we've had to hammer them to do their homework. If we have to hammer them to, you know, their hygiene, if we have to hammer that, you know, if left to their own devices, they would just sit at home. And I don't know why so many of the failure to launches are connected to computer gaming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I would say there's a high correlation there because they have become very successful in Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Uh, people want them in their clans to attack the Medusa. Mm, yeah. But I think they have Zelda. not learned. Was that what it was? <laughs> but they haven't learned any real life skills. They've got skills galore for video gaming or online in the online world in which they live but they don't have any real human interactive skills. And so they've, they, they've come to this point of, of, of life transition, and they're wholly unprepared to do that. Once so much, and we've obviously what we can help and what we can attempt to 
uh, aid is the parent. So we mostly talk about how parenting kind of creates that. But I, I do think it's important to mention that a lot of it, or potentially part of it, is 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 cultural. We breed our kids so anxiously. I, I think of kids that go to a really tough school here in uh, Northwest Austin, where you need a five, five, six out of four points to even sniff the top ten, and they're anxious and they're suicidal, and it's not about social pressures, it's about school, and we have this, you have to succeed, so you have to do well starting in kindergarten to build a college resume and then get mm-hmm. into college, and and it's all this pressure that you didn't have a hundred years ago, you just kind of grew up and tilled the land. It's <laughs> the best example I can come up with. That will work. But I, I think our culture breeds this in, and then it's like, well, now I'm kind Absolutely. of freaked out, and so I just want to sit, and I don't want to try because I fear that I won't be, quote-unquote, successful. So yes. culture plays in. Yes, and when you combine culture to many parents that are, you got to do this to get into a good school, you got to, you got to, you got to, yep. you got to, you got to, you didn't put in enough effort on this project, you did da 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 Well, and then it comes time that what my parents have been telling me that I must prepare for with years of hard work is upon me. Yep. And there is, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure societally, familially. And to tell you the truth, some of these kids, they apply the pressure themselves wanting to please uh, and, and needing, needing to succeed, not just wanting to. So solutions, um, we, we, we do want to talk, you know, some practical things, but keep in mind, you know, that if you have a future 18 year old in your home right now, parenting is a, is an 18 year process of de-parenting. You know, it's been said that when they're little, we are hands-on supervisors. When they're teenagers, we become managers. And then when they leave our homes, we become consultants. And when they're, when they're young, we go from literally wiping poop off of their buttockses and shoveling food down their gullet to, in only 18 years, waving goodbye to this quasi-adult. Can I tell you a poop that, story real quick? Oh, yeah, please. This happened to me a few days ago. I still we have a two-year-old still in diapers. We like to wean them prior to them turning three, so we have a little bit of time. Anyway, in the middle of the night, when I kind of wake up and I can't go back to sleep, I I walk you know into the kids and I'll check them, and Sam smelled like poop. And I've always now we've been parents for seven years. Uh, I've always used the technique in the middle of the night to stick my finger in the diaper rather than turn on a light. Mm. And you would have think after seven years, I would have learned that that's not a good idea because mm. you pull back a poop finger. Mm. Mm. And I told Sammy that the next morning, and he still brings it up and just laughs and laughs at his daddy. About your poop finger? <laughs> yes, he had his poop on my finger. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, we literally change diapers in the middle of the night when they are two years old, and we are hands-on supervisors. Yeah, so we, we go from total control to then having very, very little control. And the problem is, you know, not only do some of these kids, are they ill-prepared to leave, some of the parents are ill-prepared for them to leave. That they have a lot emotionally invested yes. in those kids, and they get a lot of their self-worth through their kids 
So they're not prepared for them to leave either. And so there hasn't been this because really all of childhood is preparing them to leave. Yep. That's what we're doing. And that's, that is exactly my first point with the solution. If you have a failure to launch kid, you've got to begin because it's probably not began yet. You've got to begin the process of mourning the loss of your child and accept him or her as an adult. I think there's a process of mourning and grief that needs to take place and therefore acceptance that these kids are no longer, you know, you don't need to be hands-on supervisors. So if you have a child that is on the brink of launching or is there now, they're in your house and they ain't going anywhere, then you've got to walk through this. And, and this is where the boundary discussion from last week comes in. There has to be clear, clear, clear. And if you've listened to us long at all, you know my feelings on you know, written agreements. And there needs to be a clear written agreement about what staying here in this house means and what that entails, what the privileges will be and what the responsibilities will be. And then the trick is holding to it. And if you can if you can talk great, in a lot of these situations, you can't. And so bringing someone else in, it can be a good thing. Because if you're, you know, a lot of times you're going to fall back into maybe probably what was some pretty negative dysfunctional communication patterns. And you want the kid to hear what you're saying. So possibly bringing in what the kid perceives as this neutral third party can be helpful in this regard. But there needs to be clear understanding that if you're here, you're either a full-time student or you're working and you're paying rent, uh, you know, whatever your boundaries are. But staying with you is time limited because the longer they stay with you, the worse their emotional and functional handicap becomes. So you've, you've got to move them out because many of them won't learn until they have to learn. And as long as they have a bed and three squares a day, they don't have to learn these things. Uh, and so, you know, it comes from, it, support becomes enabling pretty quickly. Yeah, and I love your written plan, this contract. We might use the language for a teenager, but the same rules apply, this contract of what's uh, required of them if they're in their home. I would add to that that I would write down a plan for their exit. So not only while you're here, are you do you have a job and you're you know, you're getting up at 8 a.m. If you don't have a job, then your 8 to 5 is trying to find a job and you're hitting the pavement. You need to create this plan of three months, six months, nine months, whatever it might be, this exit date. And this is what we are going to plan for. And during the nine months, let's say that they're in your house, I know, Jimbo, you've talked about teaching them life skills. So you teach them how to budget and you're teaching them how to cook. And then on that date, they're out. And you might even after the date, you have a written agreement that we, for the first month, are going to pay 75% of your rent or 50% of your rent. And then the second month, it goes down. The third month, it goes down further. And you slowly then, even after they're out, again, all of this is written out. You are weaning them off with with an agreement with them to where at the end of it, they're fully functioning and they're on their own. 
And I know that, you know, what feeds into the parents' anxiety is, oh my gosh, you know, if we quote unquote kick them out, they're going to just fall in with, with drug users. They're going to be homeless. It, it, you know, their, their life is going to spiral downward. Yes, that's a possibility. There's no way for that not to be a possibility. That could possibility, that could be a possibility if they went to Harvard as well. I mean, it's a possibility. Yeah. It's not a probability, yep. but it's a possibility. And it goes back to paving the way for the child. There comes a time where that child must succeed or fail on their own. And when they reach adulthood, that is the time for them to succeed on their own. You, the, the days of you writing their reports for them and, and doing their paper mache volcanoes the night before, those days are over. And if they fail, then they simply fail. And failure is one of life's great instructors. So failure is not even necessarily a bad thing. And what's what's the opposite? Like these kids that aren't forced, that a plan is not created for them, that aren't forced to get out of the house, even with some aid after they're out of the house. These kids that are not, their hands are not forced, they stay. They simply sit. And that creates more tension within y'all's relationship as parent and child. Like what's the... So I know it's scary to launch them and will they succeed or will they fail? Like those questions, that question is really, really important and that is scary, but the opposite of them staying is almost more scary. I mean, they become crippled in their lack of functionality. Several years ago, I had uh, what was sort of an elderly lady, not elderly, but she was upper uh, middle age. And with a 32-year-old son, and she came in because uh, he wouldn't get or keep a job, and he would just cuss at her and uh, wouldn't clean up and would scream at her because she was a single mom. I think she was a widow, and she just didn't know what to do. 32. This young man was a 32-year-old, 12-year-old still in his room, still playing video games during the day. As you were talking, what came to my mind is a talk that we've given on the show before. Grace ceases to be grace if it occurs too often. That kid, Grace, it actually becomes an expectation. And so this mom feels like she's being loving to this 32-year-old. But now if he has her stuck, if she doesn't do everything at his whim and meet every expectation this kid has because she believes she's being gracious. He believes it's now an expectation, which is then producing this anger for this kid towards the mom. I say kid, right? 32. That's not reality. That's not reality. People don't just kowtow to your every whim. Uh, again, he, what's he, what, how, how does he function in society? with this expectation that I get what I want and I certainly get what I demand. The rest of the world is going to look at him like he has three heads because that he, he, he is destined to be just a train wreck. So preparing them to leave, giving a written expectation of what that departure is going to look like. And what might agreement be on the other end, right? If you're helping them a little bit, but yep, getting in absolutely. and riding. But finally, I think the biggest point is like, you got to get them out of the house. 
period, period. Their stuff goes on the curb at a certain date and it has to happen. Uh, it's the, it's the, the parent is scared to death, but it has to happen. And we see a lot, and very quickly, we see a lot of parents that are in disagreement. One thinks you're an ogre for putting his stuff on the 32-year-old stuff on the porch. And the, you know, the, the other things, well, you, you know, you're the reason he's this way. And so you get a lot of conflict when you have parents, which is one of the things that produces one of these kids, uh, is parents not being on the same page about what is loving. Remember, Jesus looked at the rich young ruler, loved him and said, go sell everything you have and let him walk away. So like we said last time about boundaries, it's a loving, loving thing to do. If you want more information about this episode or anything previous, it is paradoxpodcast.com. You can also find us on our socials there. We appreciate you guys for listening. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com.